Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. I know it's been a while since there's been a new episode out as we have been on a summer hiatus for a change. After six years of doing the show, it's been kind of nice to take a little bit of a break. So here we have a special episode with Christine Morgan as co-host interviewing Rosamond Gravel about a very interesting topic that I think you're going to enjoy. So sit back and relax and listen to Christine and Rosamond talk Tudor history. The Tudor's Dynasty Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this very special episode with Tudor's Dynasty. I'm Christine Morgan, and I'm here today with a brand new friend of the show. We're so excited to have her with us. She is a poet, author, and playwright, Rosamond Gravel. Roz, thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for, for inviting me on the podcast. It's great to be with you and all your listeners. Well, Roz, you're with us today because you've done something that I really love, which is you've taken your love of history or your obsession with history, and particularly Tudor history, and you've written a play that's about to premiere in London. So first and foremost, congratulations. That's huge. I can't imagine how excited you must have been, or you must be, excuse me. I always love to hear stories of ways that people channel their love of history into different artistic mediums, and you've done just that. So would you tell us a little bit about the characters of your play, the title of your play, and why you've chosen this particular period of history? The play that I've written is called Three Queens, and um, I've yeah, as you said, I've just had such a love of history and I've always been a writer and the characters within the play and especially Tudor history. I grew up in London and not so far out of London, we obviously have all the Tower of London and all that history associated with it. Um, but also I'm near um, a place called Hatfield, uh, which a certain Princess Elizabeth lived and grew up in. And um, I visited that and I've always had a very special obsession over Elizabeth I. Um, and the play that I'm writing, writing or written um, is, has Elizabeth I as a princess um, and Queen Mary Tudor. And we also have Lady Jane Grey or a lot of people know her as the nine days queen, but she also, she actually reigned for 13 days. Um, and I've created this play, um, it being a fictional meeting of these three very different women at sort of very interesting stages of their lives. Um, so Queen Mary Tudor has just become queen. Um, and then you have Princess Elizabeth, who is still an heir, but um, may or may not succeed. Uh, to the throne. And then you have this other character, uh, Lady Jane Grey, who, as I said, um, potentially ruled for 13 days. Um, and she's brought 
in to see Mary Tudor the night before she's about to be executed. Um, and you have all these characters um, meeting and yeah, just for me, it's really fascinating. These three very different um, intelligent women who reign power or are given power um, in their own right, rather than there being a kind of de facto regent. And I kind of, it just kind of, it fused. And um, we have a lot of kind of negative, I suppose, at least I did when I was growing up as, you know, Bloody Mary, the evil queen, juxtaposed to Elizabeth, her ring. Um, but we forget a lot, or a lot of people have forgotten about Lady Jane. And um, I wanted to work with these characters really. Um, and this very interesting nexus of time of three very different, as I said, powerful women. Um, and in my play, there's this a fictional encounter. So they do end up meeting and it's about what could happen what is wanting to happen and what will happen. Um, and all their fates may be tied up to this one night. But also kind of outside of that, I was also interested in their other cousin, uh, Cardinal Reginald Pole, who's not really talked about that much, but he's another really interesting character. He's really like the last Plantagenet um, direct descendant. Um, he's also got a good claim on the throne, so kind of juxtaposed these really powerful women. You've got this sort of outlying man who, again, is attached to the family. Um, and is he working for good, uh, for their good or for his own good? Um, and so you have all the ambitions and counterpoints of this very um, intriguing family, which changed the political and religious makeup of England. Um, and of course, you know, that schism and the sort of Protestantism that was sort of bloomed in England, you know, eventually going abroad um, to other places, um, maybe could be say as a pivotal point about potentially changing the world and the future, or at least the developed Western world and what was brought to the Americas. That's incredible. I love this idea of all of these characters in a, a, a fictional meeting. And you've said a few things that I am really curious about. The first being that you were visiting Hatfield House. And so I'd love to know, were you able to incorporate any of these very real spaces into um, either, you know, written ambiance or Will we see pieces of the set in your play that sort of call back to these very real spaces in which your characters existed? With the setting, I'll answer that first question. Um, that will be kind of down to the theatre and how we sort of imagine that. Um, I think one of the difficulties in writing sometimes a play is how much of the historical you bring into the play to make it not sound like um, a history lesson <laughs> or do you make these people real? Um, so there are references to their lives um, and potentially where they've grown up and how that's shaped them. Um, but also you kind of have to balance it in the here and now moment, but it is placed in in the Palace of Greenwich or the Palace of Palantia, as I guess it was called at the time, but we know it as Greenwich Palace, um, which is a real pivotal place for especially Elizabeth. 
but it was their favorite um and it was her favorite um palace and it was one of the main palaces that um the royals did access and yeah i guess it would be a horribly i'll cop out of the question it'll be sort of i guess down to the staging and the theater about how they want to incorporate that into the design of the play but hopefully it will give a the play does give a sense of where they are and where they have been um, without making it too heavy handed. But to, um, yeah, you need you need that sense of place and time. Um, and hopefully that will be able to be put across to everybody. Now, when you're writing something like this and you are imagining um, conversations that we know didn't happen and you're also developing personalities and um you know, quirks about characters who um, either like you mentioned, uh, like Mary is often very maligned. Um, Lady Jane is uh, not written about very often. How do you go about researching these women and then um, making them into characters? Do you feel a pressure to... um, you know, academics would say, oh, I've got to get this right. I've got to get it as right as it would have been. Or is there some freeing elements of doing this um, from an artistic approach? That's such an amazing question. And thank you for uh, for asking it. Um, I do do my research. So I do do the reading of the fantastic books that are, that are out there um, about these characters um, uh, but sorry, but these, <laughs> that's the artist in me speaking, uh, the writer, these characters, these, these people. Um, but also when you are writing or when I feel that I'm writing, the characters speak um, kind of outside the confines of potentially who they may have been. Um, and it is just trying to wait up what is good dramatically uh, for the play um, and pushing it forward and creating a really good uh, show for an audience. But also you have to be, I feel you have to be fairly true to the history that was written, um, even though obviously I've, I've tweaked it a bit and done a fictional encounter. Um, and it, it, I think it's always difficult. And of course, you don't want to do a disservice to the actual people that have lived and lived through events obviously not my event but you know very very serious events um as people so it's a mixture and it's always a balance and things that you have to throw out and throw back i know the timeline that i've written is slightly uh fudged uh just so that i could create this moment which um is for me is really interesting but not so much that it disturbs the history too much but hopefully it might also and I also feel that it might also prompt people to read about the history and read about these women um, from all the fantastic historians that have have written about them. Um, But yeah, it's a perennial uh, question about how true you should stay and the, the writing and the fiction and when they speak to you when you do write. But I hope that I've given them all some rounded character and some aspects that maybe we maybe were there in the history but haven't been shown or highlighted so much and I think that you've done such a fantastic thing on the the 
Tudor Dynasty podcasts and other podcasts and Instagrammers out there bringing uh, rural women's history alive and showing that they're like really impressive women and they ruled and they, they were powerful and to bring those stories um, to people. That's what I hope with this too, that it shows these people speaking in a historically good way that they may have spoke, but um, it gives a sense that they have their own voice and they did have their own voice. Um, and we've just not been able to hear it so much uh, through the centuries. Um, and also sort of, even though my obsession is Elizabeth, um, maybe seeing that she had a potentially a different side to her, you know, she had the survivalist side to her, um, and that maybe you have to say and do things with that to which you may not agree with. Um, and it may, it could potentially reassess later on, um, you know, was that good, was that bad? Um, and similarly with Mary Tudor, as, as we spoke just a while ago, when I was writing this, um, it was, it was in, I felt a lot of empathy towards her and I bringing up how I was with the old propaganda that she was this evil person that was really interesting and that touched me a lot and I think that brought back to aspects of how of course the victors always write history and um, a lot of of course we've got we're getting so many really great fantastic women historians now that um, you know potentially that has been the case that these women have been maybe maligned or misinterpreted um, potentially because we haven't had the voice or, or being able to listen to them and their actions. I think that's a really beautiful sentiment. It, it does make a difference um, depending on who's writing and um, the way that the person who's writing approaches a topic and you know the same topic can be presented in so many ways but that's why I think the artistic interpretations are really important for society in general and the culture because you're able to take the best parts or the um, the grittier parts of all of these research pieces and sort of reimagine them in a way that maybe makes a person seem um, more 3D. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times when we study a subject, it can kind of feel like um, very, um, I don't know, strict. Um, and with the artistic expression, you know, you have actors and casts and costumes and music and lights, and it just really brings everything to life. But with all of that said, um, this is your first, you're in production for this. So this would be the first time this show ever is on a stage. So tell us where it's going to be um, and when. And then also, do you have any big dreams as a playwright? Um, you remember when I think it was Hampton Court did a production of Six. Is there anywhere that you would love to see this play performed just for the atmosphere? Oh, well, so uh, we're in pre-production at the moment. So it's going to be on 2020, sorry, 2022, no, 23-24 even. Let's get my dates right. Um, so yes, we've, we're still just uh, going to come with the dates so that we haven't 
released where we're going to have it yet but my dreams would be as you said like the sixth Hampton Court thing which is like amazing um but yes for atmosphere it would be wonderful like the Tower of London maybe where Jane um was executed again it's fair you know lots of these resonances and Elizabeth was you know uh imprisoned in or even uh the Palace of Greenwich uh they have you can't go within the actual palace itself but there's something called the Queen's House which is nearby which houses the Armada uh portrait um that would be like amazing too um so yeah some real connections with these people would just be unbelievable um would be incredible and of course he would not like Hampton Court either um yeah just just incredible putting the history within the history and making the walls speak even more um you know, reflecting each reflecting both so that would be amazing I think that's a great goal let's see if we can get you there <laughs> thank you thank you that would be amazing well, until that day, I hope that you'll keep us posted um, on the process and um, when we get closer to the production. That way, if uh, folks who are listeners, um, if you're traveling or if you're in London, this is something that you could go see and support, which would be wonderful. Um, Roz, where could people find you either on social or online where they could keep up with your process? Thanks so much, Christine. So I'm on Instagram. So that's at Rosamond underscore Gravel or on my webpage, which is www.rosamondgravel.com. Um, other than that, I'm not really on the socials. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm quite antediluvian. Um, it's because when you write, you, 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 you tend to be slightly more um, insular. But I'm, I'm on Insta and I'm on my website and they will definitely have um, updates about three queens uh, when we get them and loving to share to people and if you can come along that'd be awesome um it will be a great cast really well directed uh, by a really fantastic theater and I, it's just my love of this era and to see three really interesting characters interact um and if you can come and see it we we would love to have you there Roz will you ever be able to publish the script for this in some way? I I would hope that that would be super amazing. There is a uh, play you can submit. Once your play is uh, produced, you do have a better chance of getting your play published. Um, but I can always look at doing a self-publish on Amazon. And if I do that, I will let everybody know. Um, and uh, yeah, and keep you guys. Um, but if it does get published by a playwriting um, publishers. I'll obviously let you guys know as well. So either way. <laughs> That's wonderful. We have a lot of listeners, but a lot of listeners like to read as well. So that would be a great way to reach people as well. And we'll, we'll keep everyone updated. Thank you for being here with us. And thank you for making the world a little brighter with history and art. And we hope you'll come back soon and tell us more. Thank you, Christine, for having me. I've really enjoyed it. And I, 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 I love you guys for doing this and for the history that you put out there. It's so important for all our, we need to know our past to know our futures. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tudor's Dynasty podcast. 
You can follow and support the Tudor's Dynasty podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at Tudor's Dynasty.